IT, information technology, and chief information officers. It's an important topic, but you know what's also equally important is the lack of gender diversity in this male-dominated profession. And as a man, I feel like, well, I should probably be a woman uh, hosting this show today, but I'm not. I'm a man. So we're going to go forward with two very, very interesting women to talk about this topic. I am Michael Krigsman. I'm an industry analyst and the host of CXO Talk. And this is episode number 289. Now, before I introduce our guests, I want you right this second to please invite your friend, tell your friends, tell your parents, your colleagues to tune in and click the subscribe button on YouTube, the all important subscribe button. With that, I want to introduce our two really extraordinary guests, Kavitha Prabhakar is a principal with Deloitte Consulting, and she has been researching this topic of gender diversity among CIOs. Kavitha, how are you? And thank you so much for taking time to be here today. Hi, Michael. How are you? It's wonderful to be here today. Um, I'll start with some brief introductions of myself. As you said, I'm Kavitha Prabhakar. I go by KP, actually. And I have... Uh, uh, I'm a principal at Deloitte, and Deloitte is a leading professional services firm that provides services across audit, tax, consulting, advisory. We are 85,000 people strong, 18.6 billion in revenue, and I've been a partner of this firm, um, actually grown up in the firm for the past 20 years, and I serve clients across financial services and federal clients as well. And I'm very excited to be here today to talk about this important topic. By background, I'm a woman in technology and very proud to be one. And I'm also a wife and mother of two children um, at 14 and 11. So a little bit about me, Michael. Okay, wonderful. Thank you so much, uh, Kavitha. And Fumbi Shima is the CIO of the Fox Network Group. Hi, Fumbi. Welcome to CXO Talk. Well, it's good evening for me over here since I'm in London this week. So um, thank you so much for inviting me over. It's a great excitement and um, interested to discuss this topic, obviously. Um, ways of introduction about who I am. Um, obviously, the CIO of um, Fox Network Group, otherwise known as FNG, which is basically the network business for as part of the 21CF um, um, media conglomerate um, of, of in, in, in the industry. We um, host, prob we're probably in about 70 countries across the world, different channels, all the way from the traditional broadcast stations to National Geographic um, and a few other um, in international channels um, across the world. I, I am also a technologist. Um, my background actually from, from um, education is not, I'm not the I didn't, I didn't grow up in technology. I actually accidentally fell into technology after my accounting degree um, and, and um, status. Um, I've been in the industry now for almost 20 plus years, 25 years. Um, I've had several CIO roles. Um, most recently, um, Burberry and before that was the function, regional CIO for Walmart Asia. So I have lived in Asia. Um, so I 
bring in a lot of global perspective. Um, as much like with Kabitha as well, I mother of two. Uh, luckily for me, two girls. So we're you know trailblazing and obviously trying to set an example for for women um, and girls around staying in the STEM. Okay, fantastic. So uh, Kavitha, let's start with you. And you've been researching quite intensively and you released a, a very interesting report on this topic of gender diversity in among CIOs. And please tell us about your research. Absolutely, Michael. So one of the things uh, we did, Deloitte did very recently, um, the Deloitte CIO program had their inaugural Executive Women in Technology event and forum. And the focus of this was very much to bring leading women CIOs together um, to create a community for them to connect, network, learn, grow from each other, and really support one another. We launched this research in concert with that inaugural event. And the focus of this was research was to uh, really do some um, analysis on what's going on, right? This topic is pretty, um, pretty widely written um, about, for sure, the, the diversity topic, especially in technology and gender diversity. Um, but our focus was to really zone into the positive side of this story. What is it that is happening that is causing women CIOs to be more successful than not? What are the leadership traits we're seeing in these women CIOs? And we interviewed uh, four leading women CIOs, and we had many more at the executive forum as well. And our findings talk a lot about why this is an important issue, why do we need to continue to focus on it? Where are the signs of positivity in this story? And how do we continue to inspire others as we move forward in moving this agenda? So those are the things. And I could talk about preliminary findings um, in this uh, research if that helps to get the conversation started, Michael. Yes, absolutely. That's so, so you have a positive focus. I love that. Uh, and and yes. yeah, so please tell us about some of the, just briefly about the preliminary findings, because then we'll, we'll dive more into it. Absolutely. Um, so I'll maybe take um, focus on three things that I, I would say that this research and this paper is, um, you know, designed to communicate. I think the first thing is, in general, the C-suite looks like it's more welcoming to women technology leaders when, com when compared to other functions um, like CEO or CFOs. So if you look at women CIOs, they make up about 19% of US top um, 1,000 companies as opposed to CEOs at 6% and CFOs at around 12%. So in general, the C-suite is welcoming to women technology leaders. So there's a positive story there. The second thing is the focus on gender parity is not just um, about being fair. There is truly business value and competitive advantage to focusing on this issue. So if you look at it, there's tremendous research that says when you have women in leadership positions, you have higher productivity. Um, the companies truly outperform other firms. There's better team dynamics. Overall, um, financial performance is also excellent in such situations. 
And the third thing that I would say that um, research highlights and our paper highlights is what are the qualities that women CIOs bring to the table? And this one, Thumbi can talk a lot about, I'm um, sure, is I loved the ones that came through power of persuasion, power of influence, the willingness to take risks are higher in women leaders and in women CIOs, persisting after a failure and or the ability to go deep on topics. Um, so these were some of the things we took away and our, our overall findings in our research. So Fumbi, uh, what, what is your, your takeaway, your interpretation as a CIO practitioner of this, as you as you listen to this research, and of course you participated in it as well. Yeah. So, so Michael, I think I completely agree with you know the three topics that Kavitha said. I think the third one, really around having CIOs as women, um, you there's a, there is that element of being a lot more inclusive, um, build, building actually future leaders. And I, I mean, not to compare with, you know, the opposite sex, but there's that element of um, nurturing, right? Then that's really what I think we, we, we do a lot more. It's about the inclusiveness because we work, we work along a lot of adversities. Um, we have to go through those challenges. So those life experiences, those professional experiences, we, we culminate everything into how we make decisions and how we bring people along. Um, so for example, you know, I, I think I started off saying to you that my experience, um, I didn't start from an engineering background. I was an accountant and then I moved into strategy and technology and then worked my way through. And I think being able to see that bigger picture, being able to help kind of go through the challenges and going deep and across um, and they're able to bring in just that, you know, the diversity of thought and challenging status quo. I think that's what people are looking for. That's what organizations are looking for at the moment. And I think that's where women actually do a lot better. Kavitha, you look like you're you're going to jump in there. Yeah, no, I think that's, that's fantastic. The part that uh, Fumbi hit on, which is we also believe the research shows, uh, Michael and Fumbi, that innovation is driven um, also from teams like this. So especially in the field of technology um, and disruptive technology all around, innovation thrives in such environments where gender diversity is a big factor of teams. So that's yeah. what I was going to add in. Yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree more. And I think, you know, you talk about the innovation. I think we look at innovation as ways of doing things. Um, Whereas it's it's not it's not a stoic it's not by it's not linear it is actually just it's dynamic and we we bake it into how we do things and I think that's why and we're not afraid to take risk right we take risk um, by where we are today I mean I've taken the risk of being able to have that seat at the table at the topmost technology roles um, and that just by virtue of that um, we we you know we pass it back to, to the teams. And I think that forges true, true teamwork. And I think that's the positive outcome that we get through that. So risk-taking uh, and challenging the status quo seems to be a very common thread here. Absolutely. Why do women encourage that? Or what about women? What about this is different from having a less diverse team, put it that way? 
I think for me, taking risk, it's virtue of who we are, right? I, I don't know whether I can put it in, in direct words, but I think part of it is that if you don't take risk, you don't know what the outcome is. And we, we're not afraid to fail, right? Yeah. Um, and you, you live in the man's world. I mean, technology is a man's world. It still is. I mean, I can count. I, I think, Kavitha, you mentioned 19% yes. of the industry are women. Um, and at that C- CXO level or the CIO level, that's still fairly small and actually yes. very disappointed. So we have mm-hmm. to take those risks. We have to be bullish. And I think sometimes people think they, they claim our bullishness and our risk-taking as being aggressive. I think it's a positive thing because if you don't do that, we're actually not going to be able to make that difference. Yeah, and I think, you know, there were two traits that we saw Uh, women outperform their male counterparts, Michael, and that's willingness to take risks, but then persisting after a failure. So it's taking risks. And as Bumby said, there are some fast failures, uh, more likely than not, but the ability to persist after failure um, is also something that we've seen our uh, women technologists do better. I want to remind everybody that you are watching CXO Talk, and we're speaking with Fumbi Shima, who is the CIO of Fox Network Groups, and previously the CIO, Chief Information Officer of Burberry, and Kavitha Prabhakar, who is a partner at Deloitte, who has just completed a major research study on gender diversity among CIOs. So, Fumbi, what are the what are the challenges that a female CIO faces? I don't know whether it's the challenges the CIO, a woman CIO faces, um, because this you know the role is not necessarily a de- gender specific. I think the CIO CIOs as a whole, the the the, the face the challenges that we face is around that you know the the. The evolving technologies that is, is upon us. You know, right now we focus around digital and really what does that really mean and how do you apply it into your into the business context. Um, I think for us, if I then bring it back into that whole gender piece, it's really about having the balance, right? It's having the balance because we go deep, we're very engaged, we're very involved. Um, but at the same time, you also have a different life, right? So for me, I'm a mother, I'm a wife, right? I'm a sister, I'm a daughter. How do you bring all of that into yourself and also be very productive at work? Um, and, and I think men don't do, do it better than we do because they don't have those, um, with all due respect, the external relate, you know, responsibilities of I've got to go home and make dinner or I don't go home and make dinner, but you know, you have those, you know, um, spousal responsibilities because many of their, their spouses are probably at home or they have to deal with that. And so I think that's the challenge of, you know, at that level, how do you place that balance? But at the same time, um, earning the respect that you you have in a room full of men and being able to hear your voice, you know, having that voice to to speak to people and being heard and not necessarily being talked over because we get a lot of those situations where people talk over you and, you know, you have to decide whether you want to be aggressive, right? Or assertive, actually, it's not aggressive, assertive around it to actually go, go, you know what, I am speaking and this is what I need to say and you have to hear me even though there's 90% of you and there's only one of me, um, and, and being having your voice heard. And actually, you know, Kavitha, you said it so well, 
having that perseverance mm-hmm. of being do it over time and time and time and time again. The other piece of it, I think, that we um, um, that many of us fail do is we feel like we have to put 150% in <laughs> into our work versus the other gender that probably puts in about half the time and still achieve m- most in because we feel like we have to prove ourselves just twice as, as much. Yeah, I, I love how you shared those stories, Fumbi. Very, very nice. I think, you know, this is a hard topic and it's hard to really step back and go, what are the factors that create the lack of gender diversity, right, in our environments and our organizations? And I think uh, one of the things we uh, looked into is this concept of a leaky pipe. And um, one, one thing, Michael, that we noticed is how as women progress in their technology careers in their careers in general, but definitely this was focused on technology careers, we're losing them, right, over time. So I think 27% at entry level is the representation. And as you go up levels to middle management, it falls down into the teens. And at executive level, it's really the low teens at about 14%. So the leaky pipe is a big challenge that we face in terms of how do you continue to create um, enough people interested in this field and sustaining. And there are lots of factors that get to that. Like Fumbi said, I mean, you know, it is, first of all, the number of um, women who are in technology-related education fields are lesser. So right there, right at the beginning, right? People pursuing this as a uh, as an education platform is lesser. So, you know, I, I always say something simple. If you have daughters, nieces, granddaughters, encourage them to think about an education or an interest in STEM, because we got to make the pipeline of women coming up in these fields stronger. Um, and that's, I think, extremely important. And then looking at the factors, like uh, Fumbi said, I mean, you know, women tend to be the primary um, care providers. So how can organizations take that dimension um, into account in their HR policies, in flexible work schedules, and really think about how do you continue to retain women in the pipeline and keep them committed to it? Mentorship is yet another dimension we can talk more about, Michael, but there too, right? It's it's all about sustaining as they enter, how do they sustain to keep um, in the pipeline and reach the top levels of the organization? No, I think it's I think that's a fair point. I mean, I think the other piece of it, you know, you say STEM, I say STEAM, because you have to include the element of arts into it. And I think yes. You know, sometimes we, 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 we look at it very in that streamlined view of they have to go through the engineering background or the, you know, computer sciences. I think what I also think that we need to really think is we think broader, right? Um, in, the, in the pure operational roles, whether it's pure finance or HR or, or just general management, there's that rotation that goes around. And I think in technology, we've streamlined it so much that the filter almost seems, first of all, the pipeline is so small. 
So the, the higher you go, there's the pyramid, there's, 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 there's very few to select from anyway. So how, how about us encouraging other people in other fields that have, I call them um, the, the technology curious, invite yes. them to do assignments in here and we can actually help nurture in them into technology and they could be future leaders because being a CIO is not, I mean, obviously there is the element of you have to understand technology and have the appreciation for it, but we can teach them that, right? Being a CIO is ultimately about leadership and being able to have the vision, have strategy, have collaboration and be able to lead. And I think that's the bulk of it. That's that piece that we absolutely can encourage people and encourage future lit girls um, that technology is not. We, we, we've, we've coined technology to be that, such a boring thing. It's so exciting. And how do we create that excitement in, 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 this, in, in, um, in this industry is what we need to look at. Okay, so so what do we do? How do we look at it? And I just want to remind everybody watching that there's a tweet chat taking place right now on Twitter using the hashtag CXO Talk. So please join in and share your comments and you can ask questions of our two amazing guests. So, okay, so this begs the question then, what do we do? How, how do we address this problem? I can start the conversation and Fumbi, I'm sure we'll have a lot of great practical recommendations here. So I believe the important thing to just um, recognize is the tone has to be set on the top. This has to become a business imperative, right? It can't be just about being fair. It cannot just be about HR policies. This truly is about the, you know, the board and the management's agenda of every organization to have diversity and inclusion be part of their organization's um, mission and culture overall. So that's the first thing that comes to mind for me. And then holding your leaders accountable, right? How are you going to measure for this? How are you going to um, look at things like hiring goals uh, for gender parity? How are you looking at pay gap between uh, men and women? How are you ensuring retention? How do you make sure that women, high-performing women, are making it to top levels of the organization and are being uh, called upon to lead the organization when opportunities or roles come available. I'll pause there to see what uh, Fumbi has to add there. Well, I'm, I'm nodding my head, right? Because um, it, it's it's all the same thing that we we say day in day out, um, and it's you, you're you're right on point. It's not about HR. It's not. It's about how do you do it. Um, it's the tone of the top. But it, I think it also though. Um, other women have to bring other women along. Yes. Right? And, and I think that's sometimes the, the hardest thing to do. Because sometimes I feel that we could end up being our own worst enemy. I tell you that in, early in my career, I, I swore that I was never going to work for another woman boss. Right? Because um, look in hindsight, I realized that she was probably trying to groom me. But she didn't. we didn't have the candid conversation around... I'm being hard because I want you to be the best, right? Um, I think she took a different approach. So I think we also as women have to kind of call, have a calling to make sure that when we do see those hidden gems, when we do see those talents, 
we, we need to put them under our wings, right? Um, it's not about the, because sometimes it's not about the meritocracy. It's not about the promotions. It's about the support network. Because the reason that a lot of those women are leaving in middle management after they have had the children, it's, yes, HR policy can, 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 can help support that. But we don't have a broader support network that helps you through experiences, that talks about those challenges, that you can have those candid, what I call family time conversation, and help them understand the experiences that you have gone through and that they will actually have to go through as well and help them put it in perspective. I think that's the kind of things we really need to do. And I, one of my favorite quotes from me that um, I live by is, there's a special place in hell for women who don't help <laughs> other women. So it's absolutely something I, uh, I you know, cherish. It's a Madeleine Albright quote. And I think we all um, absolutely need to do that, right? And I think if we can apply that and have that support, because we want to belong, we want to support one another and belong. Every individual wants that. And when they feel that sense of belonging, they're able to work through uh, the challenges and retention automatically improves. Great. Absolutely. Yes. Yes, absolutely. I mean, I couldn't, I, I, I think I, I always, you know, the Madeleine Albright is, is it haunts me every day when I see another woman <laughs> and I realize, so what have I done for them? Um, and, and, you know, you have to just continue to evangelize yes. the concept. Um, technology is a fun place to be. Um, it was, it will, and it continues to be. And it will. It dominates our world today. You know, I said, I, I have a 16-year-old or soon to be 16 and a 10-year-old. They live through technology, Right. They live on their phones. They watch TV, not in the in the traditional TV we used to watch. They watch it on their phones. Um, they're always tweeting, they Snapchat. I mean, you know, they, they educate me. So how do we bring that to the workplace and let people understand that being in technology is a f- great place to be? And we actually make a difference because, you know, we are the enabler. And we're such a fundamental to any business. We can either make or break any businesses. And if, if even if you look at retail, you know, women dominate, has the highest spending powers. How do we bring and change that, bringing that same thought process into, into technology and having women dominate? We, we, we are the greatest inventors of all time, right? And we need to tell those kind of stories. One of the things that strikes me is uh, Fumbi just mentioned that it's not always a, a meritocracy. We sort of idealize the business world that it is, but that very often it's things like support networks that come into play that can make the difference in helping somebody really advance their career. So maybe, and, and I've heard other other women leaders on this show say express similar thoughts. And so maybe you can elaborate on, on that a little bit. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think if you enjoy what you do, um, if I, and, and I have the excitement, the challenge, the motivation, knowing that I'm able to fail, fail fast support, um, the element about the reward, that's rewarding enough, right? You're rewarding me through merit. I mean, through money or other means It's just the icing on the cake. Right. Um, what I think what frustrates women, um, and if I can just speak very broadly about that, is just knowing that if I deserve, be fair, okay, be fair, 
Um, if I deserve A, then give me A, but don't give me A minus five, whereas the other, you know, the other gender gets A coming in anyway. That's what we're saying about meritocracy, because I think part of it is there's that misconception that it's all about, it's all about that. It's not. I have to have the support. I have to be able to have those conversations. I have to be able to know that my career progression is based on what I know, not because of my gender or my race. Yeah. And I, I also think, Michael, this, this conversation, you know, we have to invite um, men to the gender parity conversation absolutely equally as we invite women to it, right? And in my mind, if I think about my sponsors during my career, I've definitely had very strong women leaders. There also have been men leaders who have pulled me up. And I use that phrase very purposefully, right? It is, you know, you are being pulled up and doing that, doing that for others, right? And paying that forward, I think is very important. Uh, very important as we approach this issue. I mean, I wouldn't, you know, when we talk, when, when they make those decisions, especially for men, um, you, you have the conversation at the golf courses, at mm-hmm. the, you know, late night drinks. But as women, I'm not going to invite, I mean, how many times do we say, oh, well, let's go and have that conversation at the spa. There's nothing wrong with it, but we just don't think that way. Right. And we need to it, it needs to be OK for us to be able to do that. So so specifically, then what what advice do you have? We should talk about advice both for women who want to uh, achieve in their careers and for organizations who employ women, organizations that have a career path. So. So maybe uh, either way, so which one, advice for women and advice for corporations? So I think with corporations, I, I won't rehash the point, but, you know, tone at the top, it has to be something um, that the board and the management really, really focuses on diversity and inclusion and getting, um, getting to the level that they find is acceptable. And that has to be done by setting true goals, right? Uh, we had a human capital survey that talked about recently, uh, which talks about 76% believe it absolutely is important and is a competitive advantage to address this issue. But only 6% tie compensation to diversity outcomes Mm -hmm. and gender parity outcomes. So it's interesting. We don't, you know, we have to give it teeth, right? So we have to measure it. We have to gold people and we have to tie compensation to these outcomes. Otherwise the change doesn't come. So that's one point I would say. The other thing is to look at your process, right? Um, I know, um, you know, start like Deloitte, we do, Um, you know, blind resume reviews to remove any level of bias in assuming that this resume is a woman's resume and therefore not eligible or there's probably not a likelihood that she is a great, great programmer in Python. So it is really like looking at specific things in your flow to see what is it that you can do better, right? Like blind resume reviews, uh, for instance. There's a lot we do around um, candidate screening. We really look at gender um, pay gaps, right? Um, There's attention um, in many companies today on that. 
And, you know, uh, one, one small change in technique, as an example that I'll give you, is we used to look at what someone coming in uh, was earning before we made the offer, as opposed to having uh, what is that role, what's the marketplace value of that role, and how much should we pay the individual. So by doing so, we have stopped perpetuating the uh, pay gap issue. We don't bring in women lower than men for the same role because it's about the role. So really looking at your flow, right, your entire flow of hiring, um, growth, retention, and really bringing that lens, I think is extremely uh, important from an organization perspective to address this issue. Hopefully I'm being tactical in some of this, Michael, to give people something to think about. So before we go to uh, women themselves, I would love your perspective. I think you're, um, you're, you're, you're spot on there. But I think sometimes the, the key issues also start with recruitment, right? So the only issue I, I think that we need to think carefully on is that when you do the blind um, resume screening, if the pipeline is small, from the onset, you're not necessarily going to get all that feed into it. So how do we deal with even getting the pipeline into in the first place? And I think that's where we need to challenge ourselves, challenge HR to actually go out and sometimes proactively seek people that we or, or, or candidates that may not look like us, feel like us, or you know, and, and have that diversity of both gender and race into into the into into our recruiting process. Um, I, I think you, you talked about the HR process. There has to be a number. I mean, it's how do you? It's the accountability. Um, yes. Both both at the HR process and also at the leadership. I think what I I found to be most successful for us is to your point. You tie it to compensation. We tie it to my bonus or my pay every year. Yeah. It's amazing how it works. Right. Um, and so, yeah, absolutely. We, we definitely we it's it's got to be at the top. The, yeah. the, the t- tone has got to be at the top. But we it's not just about tone. It's about the action. As God yes. we, we have a question from Twitter. Maybe we can jump in here from Elizabeth Shaw, who actually runs the the at CXO talk Twitter account. And she asks, how do we namely uh, women not alienate men? during this, in this discussion? I think Kavitha said it um, very well, Michael, is they've got to be in that conversation. They've got to be our allies. Um, You can't do this without the women met. So I think we've got to invite them to, to, to the table. They have to be absolutely and actively in that conversation. We need to have, they've got to be our allies. And I think, Michael, the key there, and this is something I really passionately want to convey, this is not about just being fair, right? It makes business sense. It gives you competitive advantage. When you look at uh, when the makeup of organizations has women and women, especially in leadership positions, they're known to outperform companies of similar size and scale by 25%. So 25% versus 11%, sorry. So it is it is known, right? It is a smart business move. And 
in order to do that, right, in order to do that, men and women both have to be enrolled. Um, so I, I um, really urge all of you to think about it from the con context of what this brings to organizations. As you say, it's not just about being fair, but it's about the actual metrics, measurements, business results that arise ultimately. Exactly. The financial performance that this brings is known to be significantly different. And that emerged very clearly in your research. Correct. Absolutely. So we have uh, another comment from Twitter from Sal Rasa who says, uh, one view of diversity is to remove any practice that inhibits personal and professional development. And he said, that's a discussion that needs, that must include men. Yes. I mean, if, if I understand the point, yes, men have to be enrolled, right? Because it is, again, the um, professional development of women and women to become leaders in the organization and sustain in their careers need to be um, a business imperative, both for men and women equally. So now, so we've got about seven, eight minutes left. And what about, and we've spoken about uh, the, the business value of diversity, and we've spoken about advice for organizations from HR all the way from the beginning of the recruitment pipeline going forward, uh, advice to encourage diversity and retention of, of diverse employees. But now, what about advice for women at, at various stages of their career? Let me start through because I, I, I am a practitioner of, of working my way up and um, in, in that field, I think having the dreams and being able to talk about it, right? And having the confidence that um, to articulate what your aspiration is. And I think sometimes women, we, we, we undersell what our true aspirations are. I, I'll give you an example. I had a mentee, um, a few, you know, a few years ago, and I said, "So, what's your aspiration?" She's like, "Oh, I, well, I'd like to be a leader." I said, "What does that mean?" And it took us about three sessions for her to actually, you know, name it and say, "I actually want to be a CIO." <laughs> so I asked her. I said, "Well, why did it take you so long?" Well, because I didn't want to come across too aggressive. So I think part of it is you have to tell people what you want to do. You have to have the aspiration, and you have to be able to articulate it right? You have to be able to have some sort of skills or ability or competences um, and understand where your gaps are and know where you need to get to and have the help. So whether you're plotting a chart to help you get there, whether you're seeking advices and mentors across, you have to be open. But I think the first piece of it is you have to articulate what your vision and what you want to get to. And then part of it is then seeking help and saying, I want to get here in a realistic time frame. How do I get to do that? Then people can actually help. Yeah, I, I think um, very well said for me. I think being bold and courageous, right? Not being afraid to ask, um, whether it's asking for help, asking uh, for a role, really putting yourself out there. I will tell you, three years ago, um, Michael, if you had come to me and said, 
KP, I'd love for you to be live on this um, in this talk show. I would have said no. I would have totally said no. But today, I am more confident about putting myself out there, having the courage, right, to take that leap. I encourage all our women to do that. And as Fumbi said, ask for help because everybody around you is more willing to help than not because you have to assume positive intent in all people in and around you. Okay, so confidence is this core attribute, having the intention and then articulating that intention, which relies on having the confidence. And so so what advice do you have for women who, who are more hesitant or reticent to express themselves and articulate their goals, their visions, as Fumbi was saying? For me, it's going to be difficult to give an advice for because it for those kind of people because I need to understand what is causing them, mm-hmm. right, to be to hold back. Is it the culture? Is it fear? I mean, not knowing what the root causes is very difficult for you to provide an advice on. So, but I think part of it is it's it's about it's about being able to fail fast, right? If you fail fast, but knowing that there's somebody holding you behind that's going to pick you up and, and then you can move on, you have to have the trust. You just have to have the trust. You have to put yourself, I mean, Kavitha said it very well, you have to put yourself out there, right? And and allow to be vulnerable. I mean, I I tell, everybody probably knows I have two children by now. The whole world knows I have two children, but you have to sell your personal experiences to people to encourage them. Right. Um, and that's that's a vulnerability that I probably wouldn't have done five, 10 years ago. I didn't want anybody to know what my personal circumstances were. I didn't because it, I felt like it was not on anybody's business. But but I felt like the, the, the higher you go, people want to understand your personal experience and how it applies to them. And if you can tell your story that way and give other people that encouragement, you actually will be able to, you know, get more people more open. So without knowing what the situation is or circumstances that is, that is allowing them not to be as open, it's to me, it's going to be very difficult to to give a, a specific advice. But my broad piece of it is, you, you have to you have to get your put yourself out there. Yeah, and one more thing I'll add to that, Michael and Fumbi, is you know there was a point in my career where I had this. Um, shift in uh, mindset, which is from winning and losing, winning or losing or failing, to winning and learning. And when you reframe um, moments that are not perfect, right, to learning rather than losing, I think it just changes your frame of mind and really helps you put yourself out there and take a chance. So be bold, be courageous, Stick with stick with it is the message that um, I will definitely share with our women out there, our women technologists, and also all all the men who are supporting and rallying for us um, getting there. And we have to thank them. I mean, you yes. know, the reality is thank you because we wouldn't be where we are if you weren't advocates. So Absolutely. we have to believe in ourselves, but also appreciate everybody else has been around us. And the majority of them have been men. Yes. Whether they're men in your personal life as your spouses or whether they're coaches or whatever, they've been a fundamental part of who we are. So we cannot ignore that. It's not just a woman's world. It's a we world because this is a community. We have to be able to think about it that way. Okay. We have literally about a minute left. And so let me just ask you very, each of you very quickly, kind of a tweet-sized 
summing up of everything that you know. So, so Kavitha, let me start with you. Uh, sum up the essence of your research. What have you, just, what is the most important thing? Okay. I think the most important thing in my mind is that women have the core leadership skills to be extremely successful in technology fields and more so this is a business imperative gender parity and not just about being fair great i love it and fumbi it looks like you're going to have the the last word here as a as a cio a very experienced cio practitioner and woman what what final advice or thought or takeaway do you have that kind of sums up your entire life in a tweet <laughs> be available to take the risk focus right you're going to fail so fast have the great support but you have to have that courage and i think persistence is going to get you there so go for it ladies we can all do it <laughs> love it i love it too uh persistence and being relentless and going for it. Well, wow, this has sure been a very, very, very fast 45 minutes. And, and I want to thank our two amazing guests. Uh, Kavitha Prabhakar is a partner at Deloitte. And Kavitha, I hope you'll come back and, and have this conversation more with us in the future. Thank you. And Fumbi Shima is the CIO of Fox Network Groups. Previously, she was the CIO of Burberry. And Fumbi, I hope also you will come back and thank you for taking so much time to be here with us today. It's, it's, a, it's my pleasure. Thank you so much. Such an important topic. Everybody, thank you for watching. Once again, subscribe now on Facebook and uh, go to cxotalk.com. We have another amazing show next week. Thanks so much, everybody. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Okay.